If you'd have told me prior to retiring that I would ride really any, better yet, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles at a time, I'd have said you're absolutely crazy. But here I am. You know, we're going to ride 60 some odd miles tomorrow and and, uh, have a blast doing it. Hello, and welcome to Better With Bikes. I'm your host, Mark Joslin. On this episode, we will talk with NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre about his life both on and off the bike. You'll hear about his introduction to cycling, how his time in the saddle helps keep his competitive drive alive, his rides with Bo Jackson, and even learn a bit about how Brett met his wife, Deanna. Let's jump in. We are so happy to have you back here, Brett, in Wisconsin. We're especially happy to have you returning for the Trek 100. You're back. Tell us about that ride and why you keep coming back. Well, first of all, I enjoy riding. Um, You guys have been uh, just awesome with with me and my family and and friends. Um, And four of my riding buddies are are up uh, with me this year. Um, It's a great cause. And... um, you know, uh, we just enjoy doing it. That's awesome. Tell me about riding at home. Well, uh, we have a really good cycling community and um, a lot of good group of uh, groups that, that have, we have a Tuesday afternoon ride. We have a Wednesday r- ride. We have a Saturday morning and a Sunday afternoon. Of course, you can ride on your own as well. There's a uh, a biking, running, walking trail. Uh, that's really nice. That actually runs from uh, the university um, up probably three three different towns. Probably runs about fifty miles. Um, but m- most of our uh, biking is start on the trail, eventually get off and go. You know, we're on the public roads and people honk at us and <laughs> some wave and some, some kind of give us the number one wave. wave. But but. Uh, we're not out to out to win any awards, uh, that, you know, but uh, it gets competitive, which which I like about it. You know, I, I like the fact that you can stay in shape and, and still be competitive and not have much wear and tear on your body. You know, I think many of us have memories of riding a lot as a kid and, and what that represented. Then perhaps we get away from it for a while and you had some other things to focus on and, and come back in. Tell me about that, about coming maybe back to cycling or yeah, you know, I think my my growing up uh, biking would be like most people. You know, uh, it, it got you to the store or to a friend's house, or um, maybe you jumped over a ramp or something, or, <laughs> or, or flipped over a ramp. Um, I think that's fairly typical across the country. Um, if you were to poll uh, anyone, so you know, this type uh, now. Uh, this type of riding that we do is is quite different. Uh, bikes are are much better, much faster, much lighter. Um, you know they're geared for for the type of riding that we do now. So it's much different. But um, if you'd have told me prior to retiring that I would ride really any, better yet, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty miles at a time, I'd have said you're absolutely crazy. But here I am. You know, we're going to ride 60-some-odd miles tomorrow and, and uh, have a blast doing it. That's awesome. So we talked about riding. What what else are you doing these days? Well, I, I do a little running, but not this time of year. It's too hot back home. <laughs> uh, you know, Mississippi doesn't get very cold, but when it 
but when it does and say it's 40 degrees, I'm not, you know, I, I use that as a running day. Me and my youngest daughter, we ran in a half marathon in December down in Mississippi and, um, sort of like biking had you told me, you know, prior to retiring that I would run a half marathon. Um, I'd have said, you're absolutely crazy. I, I, why would I run a half marathon? I wouldn't run at all. Um, so I do that, you know, kind of as a change up sometimes. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I could go down a, a long list of things that, um, I'm speaking at a, a boys and girls club in Huntsville, mm-hmm. Tennessee, or excuse me, Huntsville, Alabama. I spoke at a, a, a school in Murfreesboro, Tennessee already, and, um, have several more things kind of like that, you know, and I'm curious when you speak to kids, when you're at schools, what, what's your message or your ask of them? You know, I think I'm pretty simple. Um, because I know when I was their age and, and knowing kids today and how preoccupied they are with a lot of things that we were not preoccupied with. But even then, back in, in, you know, my, my early days, you, you maybe tune in for, you know, a brief minute and then you're off in la la land. So I try to be real simple, but I try to tell them, um, you know, the, the basics, um, school's important. And, uh, you know, there'll always be a success story that uh, that someone dropped out and they can always say school wasn't important (laughs) for me. Um, But I try to tell them to enjoy what seems to be uh, just agony, you you know, school. I couldn't wait to get out of school. I hated school just like everyone else. (laughs) And I couldn't wait to move on and grow up and and be on my own and do this and do that. And, you know, school sucks. And then, then one day I looked around and I was like, you know, school wouldn't be that bad right now, <laughs> you know, and it's funny how you kind of go full circle. And I just try to tell kids that, you know, it's probably in one ear and out the other. And I certainly tell that to football players, hmm. uh, enjoy it while you can. Some days, hey, believe me, there was a lot of days I said, you know, this sucks. But in the end, you know, there is a reward and, and you try to enjoy each and every day. And it's funny how you look back on, and we all do. We look back on what we thought were like the worst of times or the worst day ever, and you laugh about it. And, and you know, so try to soak it all in, and and um, it's never as bad as it, it really seems. That's and it's good. usually never as good as it seems, too. Fair. Uh, that's good advice. So we put together a short list of, of some keywords, and we thought we'd get your reaction. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, that's home. So yeah, and where I played, you know, I, I that's I played at Southern Miss, which is right in the heart of Hattiesburg, and grew up an hour south. And we decided to just make our home in Hattiesburg. Awesome, Wisconsin. I would say that's more like our second home, even though we don't own a, a house here anymore. I do feel like, and Indiana would say the same thing if she were here that, that we feel as though I don't even want to say adopted because that sounds a little unattached um I, I feel like this is our second home very nice new orleans you know i think new orleans to me and believe it or not i grew up 50 minutes from new orleans and hardly ever went over now when i was in college i went a little a little bit more uh for for different reasons probably but um you know i think about new orleans and i think about two things really i think about winning the super bowl there and I think about losing to the Saints when when I was with the Vikings and, and a, a very tough loss. Mike Holmgren. Greatest coach ever. 
there's no doubt that I would not have been, I probably wouldn't be here right now, which would mean that I would not have been near as successful as, as I was without him. Your mother. Um, I would say the rock, uh, she would probably say the same thing. Uh, she kind of was the glue that kept, kept us all together. I don't know how they did it with four kids, never missing a game. We played all the sports and, you know, we were not spaced out enough that only one was playing at a time. <laughs> it seemed like we were all playing, but they never missed that. They both were school teachers and, uh, you know, they were at every event that we, we were either playing in or participating in. What about your father? He would now if he were alive and he were here, he would, he'd say he was the rock. <laughs> Um, but I would, I would say, you know, uh, a great deal of my mental and physical toughness came from him. Um, and, and, and not in a gentle way, you know, he was, he was more tough love, you know, um, if I were to ever lay on the field as if I were hurt, or maybe I thought I was hurt, he may go get in his truck and just drive home and not come check on me, you know? You know, and his his you know comment to you would be, well, he's got to learn some some way. You know, if he's really hurt, I'll go out there. But and that's kind of how he raised us, and and um, and it served me well. You know, maybe it wouldn't serve someone else very well, um, but for me, I was very driven. But it helped to have someone maybe a little more driven than I, uh, especially during those days when you wanted to feel sorry for yourself. Right. He didn't feel he didn't feel too sorry for me, Deanna. Well, you know, I, I speak of Rock. I mean, th- there's no doubt that. Uh, I mean, she and I go back. I've actually known Deanna since uh, I was in first grade. Wow! And she was in second grade, and we lived basically. I wouldn't even say a community. It was kind of like out here in the country. You know, you drive, you don't see nothing. Then all of a sudden, maybe a little town. That's sort of what we grew up in. Um, but our school was the first grade and the 12th grade classes were all right there. So first through 12th was now it's, it's so spread out. You know, there's schools all over the place, but so we, we knew each other and it was a small setting. So we knew each other. And way before I looked at her, like, whoo, she's pretty nice looking. She was probably the most athletic other than me on the playground. And so she was like, you know, a challenge. Um, in fact, when I would get ready for baseball games, she and I would throw. Now, now I could throw a football to her, but not, not too hard that, but a baseball, she could, uh, there was no ball that she couldn't catch, but, uh, you know, just, just a unbelievable woman. Awesome. We recently lost Bart Starr. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Bart Starr story? You know, I was at his funeral yesterday, and it was actually, uh, as funerals go, it was good. It was a celebration. It was a, it was a small um, setting, uh, basically comprised of all family, and then Deanna and I and our oldest daughter, Brittany, and um, the Packers came down, Mark Murphy and Bob Harlan and Larry McCarran and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, were there. It was great to to see them, and and just stories were told from a lot of people. Aaron spoke briefly. I spoke briefly. What I I think has been well documented about the letters that I received from from Bart after all the games that I played in, and some were good, some were bad. <laughs> and I say I say that in a good way. After a, a tough loss, it was always uplifting. 
uh, maybe maybe somewhat instructional. You know what I gather and 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 speaking with everyone yesterday, Bart was a perfectionist, and uh, everything had to be just right. And otherwise, he wasn't as nice and gentle as everyone knows him to be. <laughs> but my story is uh, one of the letters that I received um, was right after the Super Bowl in which we won in New Orleans, and it was congratulations, and it was all good. And he said, you know. I want you to really consider how you wear your hat next time doing a press conference. <laughs> and I, I don't remember, and I told the group yesterday, I don't remember if it was backwards or sideways, but it, it, it you know, the older generation, just like I do now, you know, why do they wear their pants like that? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a little instruction as he would give from time to time, but that's kind of my, my, my funny story with Bart. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Uh, last, last one is Super Bowl. My first thought would be it's an honor, uh, and it's an extreme honor to win one. To get to one doesn't happen very often. You know, only a small, small, small percentage of people get to play in the NFL. And of those, the percentages are even smaller that actually get to a Super Bowl. And of those, the percentages drop to a speckle of (laughs) sand that actually win one. And so... To, to be a part of two, unfortunately, we lost one, but to, uh, but to win one is, you know, what, what a wonderful feeling and satisfaction. Um, you know, I don't, I don't dwell on the fact that we didn't go more or we didn't win more. Do I wish we would have? Certainly. But I, you know, I'll take what we have and, um, and be proud of it. I'm going to go back to a couple last questions about riding a bike. So you've had the opportunity to ride with Bo Jackson at his ride and also here. Tell me a story about riding with Bo and maybe just Bo in general. First, to be invited by Bo to, to ride in his ride, and I think we've done it for five years now. Um, the first time I rode in it, we started, at Lance Armstrong was up there, and then Bo and myself. And, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can ride. I mean, I'm assuming Bo Jackson's going to ride like he plays everything else. You know, I, I got to be on my A game. And about three or four miles into it, I hear a what seemed to be a loud explosion. And he blew a tire. Well, Bo's not, you know, he's not light-footed. <laughs> and um, I, I think a lot of people were joking that Bo did that on purpose so he didn't have to ride the 60-some-odd miles. <laughs> And after riding that that route that day, I realized why, if that were true, why he would do that. It's tough, but you know, to to be to be invited and to be around Bo and and call him friend, um, I, I consider myself lucky. You know, he's he's a very philanthropic person, um, but I think the greatest athlete in our generation that any of us will ever see, um, and and. I consider myself very lucky and 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 it's it's special to be around him. Wow. You came back to cycling, you got involved in it, you've ride a lot now. What advice would you give to people who are are new to the sport? Any lessons learned? Well, I was just advice? on the phone with my yeah. agent Bus before we started this podcast and I told him where I was. He said, "Hey, what what are you doing? We live in a couple of miles from each other." I said, "I'm actually in Wisconsin." Told him what for. And he said, you know, I need to get me a bike. And he, and he's serious. A bus has had some hip issues and, 
was a great golfer, loved to run, and hasn't been able to do either really. And and I I said, you really need to to get on a bike. I think I'm gonna do that. And I said, but you need to get fitted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you learn the hard way, as I did. You know, I said I'm not wearing the biking shorts. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And when I got off that seat the first time, <laughs> I said, where did I get biking shorts? And you jump on someone else's bike, and maybe it's a little tall, maybe it's a little too short, but you don't know any different. Uh, you'll pay for it. So, you, you know, get the right setup and, um, you know, at least look the part initially. Good advice. Good advice. Brett, I've met some of your riding buddies. They tell me you're just as competitive on the bike as you were on the field. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, with with cycling, I think um, the competitive uh, side of me is still there. But I, I found that, and you know, f- for you guys, you've you've obviously been around it and and do it every day and have done it longer than I. There's some strategy that that's involved, and I'm still learning that. First of all, and I don't, want, I, I'm not making excuses, but the guys I ride with are a lot s- smaller than I, and I'm good going downhill. <laughs> Um, I gotta, I gotta get better going up the hill and, and not, not look at my weight as a, as a crutch, but there's some strategy involved. Um, I've, I've, in fact, one year at Auburn, it was hot and, um, I thought, you know, if I go fast enough and get through it, I won't need to stop and get anything to drink or stop or, or even bring a snack with me. And I almost died. (laughs) You you know, you, you do have to prepare depending on how long the ride is uh you know to to drink something um you know and drink before and every 15 or so minutes snack on something but you know my hard-headed self was like i'm gonna just i'm gonna blow out front right here and 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 then i'm i'm gassed or i you know i had some fig newtons and i said i'll eat them later and then i wish i would have eaten them because i'm doing eight miles per hour up the hill at the end (laughs) and they're just gone so, you know, there, I really enjoy the f- learning about it. You know, there's, there's more to it than just getting on a bike. And I mean, if you want to just go out and just have a friendly stroll, that's fine. And I do that as well. Um, but it is fun to kind of say, I'm going to try to get as fast as these guys. And that's a challenge. Um, because I'm not as good at cycling as I was at playing quarterback. And, um, I'm just, I'm really mediocre and I've gotten better. I've gotten faster. Um, you know, and the equipment's great. Obviously not plug and trek, but I am plug and trek. The equipment is great, but you still have to pedal. So I'm still, I'm a work in progress. How about, how about a favorite ride, favorite place to ride? Do you have one? You know, we went to Aspen last year for, uh, just for a summer vacation. Me and Deanna and our youngest daughter and a couple of our friends and we, Deanna and I, uh, I brought my bike and I had Stitch. Uh, set me up with the, the trek place there and, and, uh, Aspen and got a Deanna bike for the week. Some of the hills I ride back home seem like a mountain. Well, I thought it was a mountain and we, we did the local climb, what's called Maroon Bells. It's like eight or nine miles straight up and, um, just, pack a lunch because don't get in a hurry <laughs> and you know i mean the scenery and uh just absolutely beautiful um it, it gives you a, a different appreciation for what you know these true 
cyclers, you know, or climbing hills and Tour de France, or, or you know, that's a whole different animal when we're talking about athletes, uh, what they can do. And with that, our guest had to ride. Brett's ride buddies were ready to roll, and clearly so was he. Thanks again to Brett for coming by and sharing his story. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Better With Bikes. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And write a review to help others discover these stories. Thanks for dropping in. We're happy to have you along for the ride.